reason we're going to go through five chapters tonight is because it is... Uh, you remember, we, we studied the tabernacle a few weeks ago. We went through piece by piece how it was being built, how it was being put together. Tonight, some of the chapters we'll be going over is Moses actually going through the building process and building the things that we've already studied. So we'll highlight some of those as we go through. But we're going to begin in chapter 35. So Exodus chapter 35, if you turn there with me, we'll begin our journey as we conclude uh, as we conclude the book. Now maybe you'll remember last time, this is how we ended. Moses, after the children of Israel had fallen to sin again against the Lord by worshiping the golden calf, <clears throat> they went through the judgment that took place there. And then Moses went back up on the mountain. And once again, the Lord talked to him. The beautiful thing is, even at the beginning, even when God first, the first time he gave Moses the law, immediately after the law, he gave him the sacrificial system. Why did he do that? Because he knew we were going to break it. He knew the children of Israel would break it before he even got the Ten Commandments or the tablets down the mountain. Sure enough, before they got the tablets down the mountain, they had fallen in sin. Immediately, God had made, had already made from the beginning an opportunity for them to receive a covering. God is painting a picture for you and me. For them, they wouldn't understand it except for the fact that God would overlook their sins. He would cover their sins by the sacrifice that they gave. But you and I, we can look and see the picture. We see the picture of the fulfillment of Genesis chapter 22 when Abraham, sacrificing his son, prophesied, and he called the name of the mountain that he went to the, the place where God will provide himself. That same mountain becomes known to you and I at the time of, of uh, Abraham, it was Mount Moriah. Today, it's Golgotha. Today, on a part of that mountain is built the temple site right now in Jerusalem. And a little ways further up that mountain is a place known as a place of the skull where Jesus would be crucified. Fulfilling the prophecy to Abraham that God will become the lamb. So we have that picture beginning for us in Exodus. Now Moses went back up the mountain, received the Ten Commandments again, only this time when he came down, you remember as we, as we concluded chapter 34, whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, the skin on Moses' face shone. That Hebrew word for shone literally means like a beam of light. His face was like a flashlight. It didn't just glow. It shone. It was bright. It was bright because you remember... Moses asked the Lord if he could see his afterglow. If he could see the Shekinah glory of God after he passed by. And so his face shone from, from that opportunity, that time that he spent with the Lord. And he says, Then Moses put a veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him another time. So he puts a veil over his face. Now, it all sounds good. He put the veil over his face so that other people wouldn't be afraid of the light that they would see but second corinthians tells us why he put the veil on his face so that people wouldn't notice that the glory was fading and we would spend time with the lord and that face would shine as he spent time away from the lord the glory departs we're going to see tonight the glory of god enter into the tabernacle we're going to see the tabernacle built and God's glory, the light, the Shekinah of God shining in a tent. There will be no wondering. I wonder if God's here. No, 
There's this bright light. Of course God was there. There would be the clouds. There would be all those things over the side of the tabernacle. But listen, I don't want you to lose sight of this. Because in Ezekiel, one of the Hebrew words for, for glory is kabod. You guys uh, remember the story of the headless horseman? Ichabod. Ichabod crane? Ichabod? Ezekiel says to the children of Israel during the time of Ezekiel, which is when the kingdom has split and the nation is in idol worship, he said, go and place this sign over the temple, over the tabernacle. Place the sign Ichabod. Why? Ichabod means the glory has departed. Folks, the children of Israel got so into a a rut in their relationship with God that the glory wasn't there anymore. All of a sudden, one day, when they appeared at the tabernacle, when they appeared to the temple, God's light wasn't there anymore. And they didn't ever notice because they were just going through the motions. Same reason Moses puts a veil over his face so that people wouldn't notice that the glory was departing, that the the light was diminishing from his face. The same thing happens in our relationship with God. We're walking close with God. We're coming near Him. We're we're filled with His Spirit, moving in His power. But if we're not spending time constantly in His presence, it fades. It fades. And so if we find ourselves fading, you want to know the the perfect cure to not have to worry about backsliding. A, A man once said this, spend 15 minutes a day in the Word. Spend 15 minutes a day in prayer about the Word and asking God to give you someone to share it with. Spend 15 minutes a day sharing what you read in the Word with someone else. Stay in God's presence and you will continue to shine. If you choose to withdraw yourself from His presence, we're going to find ourselves in a place of dryness. And one day, maybe for us, the Lord would say, hang the sign Ichabod over your place because I'm not there anymore. And I'm not there, and you don't even notice. So we see the beginning of that, just the the beginning of it here in chapter 35. And Moses gathered all the congregation of the children of Israel together and said to them, These are the words of the Lord that he has commanded you. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh day shall be holy, a holy day, a Sabbath for the rest uh, to the Lord. Whoever does any work on it will be put to death. You shall kindle no fire throughout your dwellings on the Sabbath day. And Moses spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded, saying, Take from among you an offering to the Lord. Whoever is willing, uh, whoever has a willing heart, let him bring it with an offering to the Lord, gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet, fine linen, goat's hair, ram skins, dyed red, badger skins, acacia wood, oil for light, spices, and anointing oil uh, for the sweet incense, onyx stones, and stones to be set in the ephod in the breastplate. He's calling for an offering. Now prior to that, he reiterates yet again, he he reiterates the law of the Sabbath. The law of the Sabbath. He's laying out for him. listen, obedience is a prerequisite of being able to serve. And in that obedience, he's saying, Before you can do the work of God, you have to enter into His rest. Before you can do the work of God, you have to enter into His rest. You see, the New Testament declares to us this. Jesus Christ is our Sabbath. We have to enter into rest. 
We have to be obedient. We want to go forward and do the work of God. Then first we have to have a relationship with him. That relationship is pictured in giving our hearts and minds, our bodies and souls to Jesus Christ. Giving ourselves to him. Trusting him for salvation. In the Old Testament, it was symbolized in keeping the fulfillment of the law. That the Sabbath rest, he's saying, hey, first you have to learn to rest. Six days you work, the seventh day you rest. Six days we work, the seventh day we rest. Six is the number of man. Six points to man. Seven is the number of God. Seven points to God. It lays out for us that our rest comes from God and that God who gave us rest, Jesus Christ. He is the Sabbath rest. That we would enter into that. So if you and I, we want to move forward in service. We want to move forward with the Lord. We've got to be resting in Jesus Christ to do it. That's the picture that God is painting for us in the Old Testament as we look at the law. As we look at what he's talking to us about the Sabbath rest, about this time. Then he calls for the offering. Now listen, I want you to notice, all of these materials are the materials for the tabernacle. Every one of these materials speaks of Jesus Christ. Every one of these materials is going to point to him. So before they can begin the work, before they can begin to build, what are they going to do? They're going to call the children of Israel, whoever is what? Willing. Whoever is willing, give. It's a free will offering that they're taking. Later on, well actually in Genesis chapter 14... God established the tithe, which simply means 10%. 10% going to the storehouse. That's not what this is. This isn't a tithe. This is a free will offering of the goodness of their heart. Whoever is willing, come and bring this before the Lord. And so they're going to bring it. They're going to bring these things. He says in verse 10, All who are gifted artisans among you shall come and make all that the Lord has commanded. The tabernacle, its tent, its covering, its clasp. It's boards, it's bars, it's pillars, it's sockets, the ark and its poles with the mercy seat and the veil of the covering, the table and its poles, all its utensils and the showbread. Also the lampstand for the light, its utensils, its lamp, its oil for the light. The incense altar, its poles, anointing oil, sweet incense, the screen for the door at the entrance of the tabernacle, the altar burnt offering uh, <clears throat> with its bronze grating, its poles, all its utensils, the labor in its base, the hangings of the court, the pillars or sockets, a screen for the gate of the court, the pegs for the tabernacle, the pegs of the court, and their cords, the garments of ministry for ministering in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron, the priest, the garments for his sons to minister as priests. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. But listen to this. Then everyone came whose heart was stirred, and everyone whose spirit was willing, and they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle. So first we see what initially happened. Their heart is stirred. They feel that calling from God. Hey, this is something that God wants me to get involved in. And their spirit was willing. It's, it's, do you know there's a difference between knowing that you're called and then fulfilling that call, right? There's difference between knowing what door to open and actually opening the door. And that's what he's talking about here. First, their hearts are stirred. Second, they follow through. Their spirit is willing. Hey, I'm going to be a part of this. I'm going to be a part of what God's doing. I, I had an opportunity to see 
I guess a, a little bit of, of how this would have been in just prior to, to Kathy and I leaving California, just before we left, about a year before we left, the, the Lord put on Pastor Gerald's heart that the mortgage, the mortgage at Joshua Springs was, I think, about two and a half million. And uh, the Lord really put on his heart that he wanted to get that mortgage paid off. Now, we're just entering into, you guys remember, about a year ago, the beginning of this economic mess. And so people are losing jobs, people are losing houses, but the Lord put it on his heart, so Pastor Gerald laid it out there. And that year, the, the worst year uh, economically, as, as long as I'd been there, they paid the mortgage down a million dollars. Not tithes, just free will offering. People gave, wrote down on it. They, their hearts were stirred. That They felt like that was something that they wanted to get behind, and they gave. And they paid off. And you know how much money that saves you? A million dollars in interest that you don't have to pay anymore? It puts, a, it puts a big dent. Now, this would be the second year they're going through. I don't know how it's going now, but, but they're looking at, in three years, erasing a $2.5 million debt. Now, uh, that's even hard for me to fathom. I have a hard time balancing my own debt in my, in my own house, and that's nowhere close to $2.5 million. But what happened? The Spirit of God moved. People heard the call. Not everybody did it. The people that heard the call, that heard the direction. Lord, this is something you want me to be behind. And then their spirit was willing and they did it. And so we see the same thing happening here. We see God doing this work. Verse 22, And they came, both men and women, as many as had a willing heart. And they brought their earrings and nose rings, rings and necklaces, all the jewelry of gold. That is, every man who made an offering of gold to the Lord. And every man with whom was found blue or purple or scarlet thread, fine linen, goat's hair, red, uh, red skins of rams, badger skins, brought them. Everyone who offered an offering of silver or bronze brought the Lord's offering. Everyone with whom was found acacia wood for any work of the service, they brought it. And all the women who were gifted artisans spun yarn with their, with their hands and brought what they had spun, a blue, purple, scarlet, and fine linen. Hey, listen, they got behind the work. Now, for you guys here, unfortunately, I wasn't here at the time, but you should have experienced some of that when this whole building's going up. When, uh, you know, maybe I didn't have a lot of money to give, but I could come do drywall, or I could come pull wire, or I could come help lay carpet, or bring in pews, or, or get behind the work, because all of that is part of it. All of that is part of what, what makes a body work together. We should have the mindset, all who hear God's call, and then are willing to present themselves. Hey, I might not be able to do a lot, but I can do this. Well, then you're that part of the body to fulfill that need. Fulfill that need. Do it. The women got together and they spun yarn. That's not the only thing they did. The, the scripture tells us that they took their bronze mirrors and they turned them all in. And they used those bronze mirrors to make the, the bronze labor. They melted all those down. They set aside whatever you could look at. It is an issue of pride or whatever. They laid that down, gave it to the Lord. And the Lord used it to make something beautiful. So people were willing to get behind it. People were willing to jump in. And the rulers brought onyx stones. And it's important to realize, being in leadership doesn't mean that what God's Word calls us to do doesn't apply to you. 
I'll never understand people who think that's the case. If you hear me teach about giving a tithe, it will be because I give a tithe. Not because I think you should and I shouldn't. The rulers also brought their offering. The rulers brought the stones. The rulers brought the precious stones that will be a part of the the breastplate. The rulers were a part of it. It's not just everybody else. It's everybody. Everyone in leadership. Everyone not in leadership. Everyone who's a part of the body getting together and doing the work that God calls us to do. That's what it's about. Everyone. What's the key? Everyone who hears the call of God and everyone who is willing to step out. Now, the next part of that, folks, is simple. If you're coming or if you were to volunteer to to do this work of the tabernacle, but you were angry or upset about it, they would send you home. We don't want your begrudging service. We want your joyful service because it's your service to the Lord. If you don't have joyful service, don't serve. If you have joyful service, bring it. We want... The joy of the Lord to be our strength. Not, oh, i got to go to church. I'm doing Sunday school again. If that's how you feel, call and say, I'm not doing this no more. The Lord will bring someone. The Lord will call someone. We'll take care of it. It's like pulling your hand out of a bucket of water. That water all seeks level. You won't leave a hole. God's going to make it all work out. We want to have that proper attitude, the proper attitude, honoring the Lord with what, we, with what they do. And that includes everyone, from the least to the greatest. He says, also they brought the onyx stones uh, for the ephod and breastplate, spices and oil for the light, for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense. The children of Israel brought a free will offering to the Lord. And all the men and women whose hearts were willing to bring materials for all kind of work, which the Lord, by the hand of Moses, commanded to be done. And Moses said to the children of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezaliel. Do you know God knows your name? The Bible tells us that the Lord knows his sheep, and they hear his voice, and he will call your name. He has a plan, and he has called you out for the service that he has for you by name. By name. Bible, Jesus said that, that the Father knows every hair on your head. He knows when one sparrow falls to the ground, and you are of much more value than many sparrows, God knows our name. We give our lives to Him, we enter into a relationship, and God knows our name. And He's got a plan. There's no such thing as a believer that God doesn't have a purpose for. It doesn't exist. Paul said we each, as a part of the body, supply what the body needs by what we do. Whatever that is, whatever that calling, whatever that gift, first, you hear the word of God, you hear that God calls. Second, you have a willing heart. God will direct you to what he has. God will direct you to what he, he wants to, uh, to take place in your life. We've got to trust him. He called Bezaliel by name, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah. And he filled them with the Spirit of God and wisdom and understanding and knowledge and all manner of workmanship. Don't lose sight of the fact that he was filled with the Spirit of God for workmanship. Filled with artistic ability to be able to do a specific job that God called him to do. Bezidiel, he's going to build the Ark of the Covenant. 
Bezalel is going to be part of designing all the furniture within the tabernacle. Now, it's not very often people sit down and they say, you know, we're going to sit down and we're going to have an opportunity for the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit to flow through us. We want the Spirit of God to move. But, but how exactly is that Spirit supposed to move? How is the Spirit of God, if He's given you the gift of artistic ability, He's given you the ability to, to, to craft, how does that work into that? Because we close our eyes off to the practical uses of the Holy Spirit, and we get all wrapped around the axle over the rest. Do you realize that God gifts you and calls you and fills you with the Spirit to fulfill every part of your life, every part of the giftings and callings that God's given? So if if that's artistic ability, praise God, He gives you that gift, and that is a work of the Holy Spirit in your life. That's what He said way back in Exodus. Did it change? The Lord says, He is immutable. I change not. That's a work of the Spirit of God. And it's not any less vital than any of the other uh, gifts that people really get worked up over. It's important that we realize being filled with the Spirit does not only require that you speak with tongues. Being filled with the Spirit equips you to do every work God calls you to do. Okay? Even this guy and the work that he was called to do the work there in the tabernacle. And he has put in his heart, verse 34, the ability to teach in him and Aholiab, the son of Ahasamach, the tribe of Dan. He has filled them with skill to do all manner of work and the engraver, the designer, the tapestry maker, blue, purple, scarlet thread, fine linen and other weaver, those who do every work and those who design artistic works. And Bezalel and Eliab, <clears throat> every gifted or every gifted artisan in whom the Lord had put wisdom and understanding to, to know how to do all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary shall do according to all that the Lord has commanded. And Moses called Bezalel and Eliab and the, every gifted artisan in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom Everyone whose heart was stirred to come and do the work. You see what he's saying? In order to move forward with the Lord, it's not just enough to say, hey, I believe God exists. You know that that's not enough, right? Because in James, James would write, even the demons believe and tremble, but they're not saved. They believe there is a God. That didn't save them entrusting your heart and soul into his hand so we make that move we give our hearts and souls to the lord we we trust in him we believe and we want to move forward it's not enough just to hear the call of god we have to obey the call and if you think god's going to somehow change it he's going to switch up that call and do something different you're crazy You're going to go around that mountain until you decide to answer that. People, a lot of people I've run into that are are looking for God to do something because their eyes are so focused on, I only want to do this one thing. And so they wait and wait and wait. All the while, God's calling them to do something else, but they don't want to do that. They only want to do this thing that they esteem as a a higher uh, uh, calling, I, I suppose. We want to hear God's call, be stirred in our hearts, and move forward in obedience. 
says now, And they received from Moses all the offering that the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service, of the making of the sanctuary. And they continued bringing to him free will offerings every morning. Now, I don't know if this ever happened again. I don't know that it did. But the people wouldn't stop giving. They just kept coming. They kept bringing their gold and silver. They kept bringing the wood. They kept bringing the, 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 the string, the yarn, the, the weavings, all that stuff. Every morning they would bring it. And all the craftsmen who were doing the work of the sanctuary came, each from the work he was already doing. You see that? It's not just about people who are in full-time ministry. It was people that were working jobs, and they left their jobs, and they went and showed up and continued to do the work. That's still how it works today. That's still how it is. I remember uh, when Kathy and I, back in the early 90s, when we first came to Joshua Springs, it was a much smaller fellowship at that time. And when we came, um, it was kind of neat because everybody was about that. Everybody would show up for the, for the work days. I remember one time we did a football field. We had to do like 200,000 square foot of grass, lay it. And we got there at four in the morning. We showed up at four in the morning and there was like, I don't know, 10 semi trucks full of pallets of grass, little chunks of sod to lay. And the guy in the first truck, he said to Pastor Gerald, you guys are crazy. All this grass is going to rot on the truck before you can set it. We had 250 people show up and by 10 in the morning, 200 and some thousand square foot of grass was laid, done watered we're going home and that guy on the truck was flat blown away but then something takes place you know god's working the 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 church is growing it gets bigger and bigger bigger pretty soon folks don't want to volunteer no more folks don't want to come and be a part of that they they say well you know church big enough they can just hire somebody they can just pay for something or they can do this or or they can bring me on staff whatever the the attitude changes but that's not how it was for, for Moses and the, and the children of Israel when they're building the tabernacle. How was their attitude? Hey, I, I do my job in a day. I come do what I can in the evening. Hey, I'm thankful. That's still the way that, that we function here. Still the way we work. Guys that, that have jobs and we're doing... We're, in fact, we're getting ready to replace hardware on the doors. I don't know if you notice, but uh, I think every two days the double doors in the front break. And we've got to get some duct tape and fix it. And so we got the parts and material to do it. We got guys that are going to work a job all day. They're going to come in. They're going to sit down. They're going to put in the hardware. Because that's the way it was. That's the way it was then. That's the way that it is today. And so <clears throat> I'm so thankful for that, that attitude and that heart. Every Wednesday we get to see it. Every Wednesday, Bread of Life Community Kitchen opens up. However many people come, anywhere from 40 to 100 plus, will come for dinner and someone shows up in the morning who has jobs. They all have jobs. This is not their only job. But they come in the morning. They, they cook the meal. They prepare it. Other folks come to pass out that meal. Other folks come to do the dishes. And, and everybody has other responsibilities to do too. They're not saying, hey, I need to be getting paid to come to the community kitchen. They're just doing it. Because the Lord has stirred their hearts and they want to answer that call. That's good. That's a, that's a great, great, great blessing. It's a, it's a beautiful thing, and it's uh, something that, that uh, the body here should be commended for, that 
that that takes place. It still is moving forward. Now, it says, now then, uh, they spoke to Moses saying, the people bring much more than enough for the service of the Lord. Verse 5, they spoke to Moses and said, the people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord has commanded us to do. Well, I think that that's the only time a church ever said, you bring in too much. Knock it off. Stop. But they were just overwhelmed. And they wanted an opportunity to give. It's not about being guilty. It's not about the guys on TV that can, that can you know, just get somebody to give money because they make them feel bad. No, these people, God stirred their hearts. They answered the call and they just came. They just did it. It was, uh, would have been a beautiful thing to behold and to see. So Moses gave a commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, neither, neither, <clears throat> Let neither man or woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. And the people were restrained from giving or bringing. Stop. No more. Don't give no more. We have too much. That's good. That's good. That's it. And so the people were restrained. What a beautiful thing to be a part of. What a beautiful thing to see. Uh, um, in, the, in the early days of, uh, of our ministry, again, out, out in California, there was one particular day that everybody who came to church, <clears throat> when they walked through the door, were given a $10 bill. It was the only day everybody got paid for coming to church. We had whatever we had in the, in the, in the bank account. We emptied it out. felt like God was calling us to do some building. And the elders sat by the door, and everybody who came in, they gave them $10. The people were kind of, cool, that's kind of nice. And we sat down, and Pastor Gerald stand up and say, hey, we feel like there's a building project going on, and I feel like the Lord has called us to do this thing. So we give everybody this $10 bill. You take that $10 bill, and you do something with it, and bring back your talents next week. So you just bring back that 10 bucks again. You can take that 10 bucks and and buy lemonade and sell lemonade and bring back 15 bucks whatever take that and go do the work and bring it back the only time i i've ever been a associate or seen anything like that but it was it was kind of cool to watch all the people get excited about taking that going out doing that stuff bringing it together and and the building project happened but folks it doesn't start because of a gimmick if the gimmick if it was about the gimmick we could do that gimmick every week and and get all the stuff we wanted. It's not the gimmick. What is it about? Call of God. God calls. Where God guides, He provides. He gives us direction. And the people respond. And that's what we see going on here. People responding. Had to stop. And all the gifted artisans among them who worked on the tabernacle made ten curtains uh, woven of fine linen of blue, purple, Scarlet thread and artistic designs. Uh, the designs of the cherubim, they made them. So we can look at that first slide, Cindy. <clears throat> we'll start moving uh, a little bit more through here. You'll notice the underneath covering the, the, with the, the artistic designs of a cherubim, of her angel wings. You'll see on there blue, scarlet, purple. That's the first thing that they're making. So we see in the beginning, people come together. And they're making these things. Now remember, this is the covering that's going to be the inside covering. So the only way you'll be able to see that is to be inside the tabernacle. 
We talked about when we went over this covering that it is a picture of Jesus Christ. He is the veil. He is the door. And, and the only way we're going to really come to know who he is is by entering in, that we are in a relationship with him. We'll see that. But right now they're making that part. That's the first part we see from uh, verse 8 through 13. They're, de- they're designing or making the loops and they're getting ready to strap all that stuff together. Then he goes in verse 14, he goes on to make the goat's hair curtain. He made curtains of goat's hair for the tent. Over the tabernacle, he made 11 curtains. The next covering you see is the a, is a goat's hair. The next one, the white one, that's the goat's hair. The next one is the red ramskins, uh, ramskins dyed red. And the final one is the badger skin. So when you see this from a distance, all it looks like is a brown tent. And you wouldn't even realize that if you walked inside, all the walls are gold. And there's this beautiful veil and beautiful screen for the doors. All pointing to Jesus Christ. So we see the, the goats. Remember, we talked about the goats here. What does it symbolize? It was the sin offering. Jesus Christ becomes a sin offering. What about the red ram skin? What was that about? Remember in Genesis chapter 22, what was the substitute sacrifice that God gave to Abraham? A ram caught in the thickets. The red ram, uh, the ram skin dyed red points to the propitiation, the substitute sacrifice, the sin offering. All those things pointing to Jesus Christ. What about being covered with the badger skin? Badgers speak of humility. We talked about that the fact that that everything is covered up in this very plain, very drab, just normal, everyday, ordinary badger skin, covering over the top. So when we look at Jesus Christ, we see Him as our sin offering, we see Him as a substitute sacrifice, and we see Him as the humble servant, the humble king. All these things being pictured in this design that's being put on. So they put on the goats here. In verse 19, they do the ram and the badger skins. And he made a covering for the tent of ram skins dyed red and a covering of badger skins above that. And then for the tabernacle, he made boards of acacia wood. Now on the next slide, we'll take a look at those boards.